Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschbeck. And I wear my sunglasses at night. Uh, in fact, you are wearing them inside. I mean, I guess it's night. You're wearing them right now inside my house for some reason. Uh, yeah, they're actually not mine. I actually got them out of Alex's uh, Oakley gas can collection. And I can say that I honestly didn't know that Oakley gas cans came in so many different color uh, and style variations. Like there's camo. Um, they're striped. Like I didn't know that Oakley gas cans looked like this. Like I feel like I just walked into um, Guy Fieri's closet. It feels great. Is Guy Fieri known for wearing Oakley gas cans? That's like the only sunglasses that <laughs> I hope that like your superpower is knowing what kind of eyewear celebrities <laughs> use, but only for sunglasses. <laughs> I'm just You're a like big oh, Guy those Fieri were from fan. Warby Parker's 2012 summer collection. I've actually been method acting with sunglasses inside just for that bit there for like the last week. And it worked. Me, yeah. N- well, no, because I Congratulations have lost all on your my friends, <laughs> all of my family, my job, my girlfriend, my dog won't even talk to me anymore. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to speak to me. That's called method acting. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis did it. Look yeah. It that's why, uh, what's his face? Zach Efron killed everyone he knows whenever he got in the spirit for Ted Bundy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you can't try him for those crimes because it's part of his job. I am the Daniel Day-Lewis slash Ted Bundy of podcasting. I feel like I'm the Aquafina of podcasting. <laughs> you can have that title. You mean a rising star? Okay, I'll take it. A rising <laughs> star out of Brooklyn? That's me. Yeah, and if you didn't think I was actually wearing sunglasses, this is the sound that sunglasses wear, or sunglasses <laughs> sound like when they're closing. Bam, it's yeah. real. It wasn't a... It wasn't a bit. That was actually, we paid $10,000 for that effect. Yeah, that thanks Marvel Studios. Yeah, Yeah. it worked great. Thanks. Thank you, Marvel Studios, for your sponsorship for that sound effect. Hashtag not really a sponsor. Hashtag they could have used that money to get Spider-Man, but chose to do our sound effect more (laughs) grateful in hashtag. Yeah, I mean, they made the right choice. Anyway, this week, we're going back to our classic series. The first one we did was Why the Last Man by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerrera, uh, which obviously Matt and I loved. And we decided to tackle one of our other favorite series that we bonded up when we first started reading comics, and that's Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis uh, and Derek Robertson. Yeah, Derek Robertson, who is also famous for a little series that we just covered recently called The Boys. Yeah, bo- uh, so with a Z. Yeah, with a Z. So if you are expecting... And it's duh, D-A. <laughs> duh, boys. Uh, it is filmed in Chicago. <laughs> um, no, no, no. <laughs> It is filmed in Iceland. <laughs> okay, I'm not. I don't know where you're going with this. In the podcast, we're done. Uh, it's because they have great tax breaks for the film community. So, should I give a a basic rundown of the series? Yeah, sure. Metropolitan, sure. So, uh, it's the distant future. Spoiler for Transmetropolitan. We are covering uh, the first 18 issues, which is volumes one through three. If you have the trades. Yep. Like he said, uh, it's the distant future. It doesn't say what year it is. So I'm assuming it's like 2021. Um, and this feature has everything. It's got cannibal, cannibal, alien, human hybrids, two headed cats, a battle disrupting gun, cryogenic freezing and stripper bodyguards. Um, well, actually I think that's going to sum it up for this week's podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, 
Uh, is that it? Do we have yeah, more to yeah. talk about? No, we, we, just Facebook. <laughs> just Facebook. Okay. Uh, this book uh, came out in 1997. Uh, it was on the Helix imprint, which was a very short-lived DC imprint. It, matter um, of fact, it didn't. This or this series outlived the Helix. Yes, imprint. it did. And it's uh, and it's weird. Even though the series came out like in the 90s, and like a lot of books, obviously, it's a classic. So it. It doesn't feel like it's aged at all, but like it still feels just as relevant, if not more relevant, than whenever the book first came out. Yeah, if you read this book today, you could honestly think that it came out yesterday, if you didn't know better. And it stars... If you were a fucking idiot, you would think <laughs> this book came out yesterday, in ten volumes. It's always one of the greatest characters, I think, in comics, uh, in Spider-Jerusalem. Uh, top ten favorite comic book characters. Spider-Jerusalem is in there for me. Which, yeah. hey, what a name. Yeah, great name. The uh, iconic look. Yes. Um, and when you first see him, or he's covered in super long hair and like a long beard. It kind of looks like Alan Moore to me. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not. I think but He has so. an Alan Moore look to him before he takes a shower and loses all of his hair. Yeah, the future has really hot showers, I guess. But whenever you read this book, it is impossible. Uh, at least if you're familiar with uh, him. you, I mean, Warren Ellis drew inspiration, heavily inspiration for Hunter S. Thompson for Spider-Jerusalem. Uh, fucking A. Yeah, I mean, from the drugs to even though he's like an outlaw journalist, I mean, that's another name for a gonzo journalist, to the love of guns, I mean, to living in the mountains, I mean, all of that screams Hunter S. Thompson. No, it doesn't. I okay. disagree. Good on you. <laughs> that end of, end of uh, debate there. I disagree. That's what we can do here on the Henchman of Comics. Yeah. We have such a lively debate where Alex talks for like 20 minutes and then I say I disagree and then the conversation is done. And then we go to the next question. Yep. Next next we, question. We wait for the moderator. <laughs> uh, the book opens up with Spider living in the mountains, uh, being away from the city for five years and the city just called the city. Uh, and he has to come back because his contract is overdue because he owes the publishing company two books. And we don't really get like that, like sci-fi or futurist feel until late, late, late in the issue. Like even when he first arrives in the city, you're like, okay, you realize this is not our world. Things are different, but it's not to like, I think you see your first transient, which is someone that's half human, half alien. The aliens look like uh, the greys do, uh, but with white skin instead of gray skin. Yeah. And the cool thing about those people is they are literally half down their face, an alien and the other side of their face is humanoid. For mm -hmm. the most part, anyways. Yeah, I think what's great about I, this series, I think the first issues are strong, but they're not like amazing. It takes a little while for it to be like, okay, for you to realize like this is goes from a good book to a, a great book to an amazing book. But Warren Ellis sets up a lot of stories that will happen in later issues. Obviously, he mentions the transients, which we just talked about. He mentions the cryo-freezing, uh, which takes place in multiple stories throughout uh, the series as well. Oh, what's the uh, what's the transient's name? Uh, Fred Fred Christ. Fred Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Great name. I'd follow him <laughs> on Instagram or on Twitter. Oh, uh, neither on uh, Snapchat. Tumblr? Oh, Snapchat. Come on, uh, Tumblr. Come on, this is not 2015. <laughs> Shit, I I am behind the times. Uh, I still have a Vine, everybody. I I need to get with it. Uh. So Spider goes to his old friend, who's now the editor of a paper. He hires him, yada, yada, yada. And Spider starts hitting the stories, working streets again. And what I love is, obvious, I mean, I have uh, 
multiple degrees from the college journalism and I'm getting another degree. So like, there's something about this that like, it speaks like my inherent ego. I'm like, this is more relevant than anything else out there. It's the most relevant character of all time. There's like pages of like quotes that he says, like when he says like, uh, there's a line in the first issue, I believe when he says, I haven't cried in years or I'm a journalist and journalists don't fucking cry. Like, I just want to scan that page, cut it out and like glue it to my desk. I prefer the phrase that he uses often that says, I couldn't give two tugs of a dead dog's cock. Uh, that one really strikes me in my heart. It makes me cry, and it inspires me. Here's a question for you. Do you think, so while reading uh, the book, Spider has a sister named Shannon. Shannon? Shannon. I believe it's pronounced Shannon. No, Shannon's with an S. This is Shannon. Okay. Uh, it's Greek. We'll uh, call her Channon because Alex believes that that is or a word. Ch- Chananana. Or a name. Uh, I would accept that first. But did you get the sense that she was British or anything? Because like, while reading it, like I felt like some of the dialect felt British to me. Nope. Not for a second. I I, I got that. I'm like, I was wondering. I was like, are any of the characters supposed to be British? Because the, it's, not, it's not said that it's American. But there are definitely American mentions. Like there's presidents. Uh, California is mentioned at some point. I mean, we know that she is his stripper bodyguard, but we don't know where she's from. Although she does quote unquote, fuck off to become a nun. So I don't think that's very British either. So the answer to your question is that resounding. No. Okay. So what was your favorite? Not storyline, not like three issue, uh, at least through the first 18 issues. Every story arc at most is three issues uh, with a bunch of standalone issues. So what was your favorite standalone issue storyline? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I really liked when he was walking through the city and gaining uh, followers. This is after he's regained his fame. Yes. After coming back to the city and started writing for the word. Spider cannot write. He says like when he, he hates being famous. He needs to be hated yep. in order to be uh, in order to write. Uh, he takes a bunch of people, and they're all like, "Oh, what's this crazy motherfucker gonna do?" Because they all know his antics. He's very Hunter S. Thompson like. It's like, what's this crazy asshole gonna do? And he just takes him to some slums, and he says, "This is what you don't want to fucking look at." And yeah, what you never talk about, what you choose to ignore every yeah. single day. And this is a world where. Information is at a constant. There's thousands of channels, thousands of news feeds. Uh, you have access to anything, almost everything, all through voice command to see what you want at all times. And even with all the information, people choose to ignore the something that's in the heart of their city. Literally like a block away from most people. Like it's fucking crazy. Uh, and that's kind of how it is today. Uh, great reflection of society. And that one just hit home. Like, not for like it being funny or or anything like that, but it was just really poignant. And I yeah. was like, this book turns on a dime from one thing to the next, and you're like, oh shit, what's this crazy motherfucker going to do? And then he goes and does something that just opens people's eyes. And then he has this big diatribe uh, where he's talking with, uh, with one of his assistants, and he basically says, I can't change anything. I'm not equipped to change anything. All I can do is make people look at shit. And... Like, when you speak about poignancy, that's like how I felt. Like, my favorite standalone issue is, I want to say it's issue eight, where it's the story of the woman who gets her head cryogenically frozen. 
Oh man, uh, that story is so fucked up. And it just talks about how how she lived like she was there for Beatle Media. She was there when the wall fell. She was there for Vietnam, and like she has these stories to tell. And when she comes back to life and wakes up, nobody wants to hear her stories. They are just doing their contractual obligation to get her alive and stick her in a home. And it, obviously, like it's it's an uh, an allegory, but it's a stand-in for obviously like homeless people as well. Like those people had stories, homeless vets especially, but we push them aside and we ignore them, and they just live on the streets and then go to shelters at night. Uh, and you hardly see Spider in the story at all, but the narration is all through his prose. And I think Warren Ellis does an amazing job writing like like Spider has his own voice, not just in dialogue, but the way he writes his prose and the way he tells his story, which is included in a lot of the issues, feels unique and different and feels like it has its own unique, powerful voice. And Warren Ellis does that masterfully. Like You can see why Spider has a following. You can see why people listen to his word. <laughs> why he makes an impact and why his words can make change in the city. And and on that point, and you know, to continue on the serious note, uh, as a journalist, uh, or somebody who, you know, specializes in, in journalism, does professional this, journalist. Yeah. Does, does this book give you a boner? Um, I can't legally say that because I have to remain objective and objectivity is the paramount of quality journalism. Do you wear a chastity device at all times in order to do that? I wait. Are there people that don't wear chastity devices? <laughs> I need to have a talk with someone. <laughs> Let me talk to my editor real quick. Fuck. Um, chastity devices brought to you by your local uh, Little Caesars Pizza Pizza and Robin Hood Minutites. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take a sponsorship from it. I don't care if the film came out over 20 years ago. Uh, so, what was your favorite three-issue story arc in this uh, in these first three volumes? Ooh, the way that it, that it ends with the uh, the Smiler. Yeah, uh, then we're on the same page there. That is my favorite one as well. It's also, again, very reminiscent of Hunter S. Thompson. Hunter S. Thompson did a lot of political journalism, uh, most notably Fear and Loathing on the campaign trail in 72, where he covered the Nixon Kennedy election. Yep. Um, what was Kennedy? Uh, but uh, so that I mean, again, that's more inspiration from him. But I agree. I, I thought that was the best. At least in these first uh, eighteen issues, the best three issue story arc. Well, I mean, it really shines a lot on people who are just like one way in front of a camera, and then the camera goes off, and it's like, "Holy shit, who is this motherfucker?" And I think that's uh. That's really relevant. Yeah. Barbara Walters should really get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I don't know what she's been doing <laughs> for the last 40 years. Um, but Barb, if you need some story ideas, just give us a call. Actually, we won't answer because we don't answer numbers. We don't know. But you can email us and our assistant will probably let us know that you uh, asked for our help. I really uh, don't like it when you refer to me as our assistant. It's very demeaning. Okay. Sorry. Our administrative assistant. <laughs> I... Very much appreciated. And that. you will be appreciated on Administrative Assistance Day, which is on um, <laughs> July 14th. Don't forget your Administrative Assistance on that day. I thought it was uh, August 32nd. Okay, we've talked about this. We need to get you a real calendar. <laughs> That's why I keep missing all the big important meetings <laughs> with Disney. Yeah, there there is a... There is not at a thirteen o'clock. So. No, and they want me. The, they want me to be the new voice of Mickey Mouse, <laughs> and I lost that opportunity. Um, 
Well, I think is rare about this series too, from like series that like have like sixty issues or ten trades, however you want to look at it. I feel like the art continually gets better throughout this series, even though it's Derek Robertson stays on it throughout its entire run. I mean, that's not something uh, that we really talked about is is the world that Derek Robertson's created in this thing. Uh, it's some of the best art I've I've ever seen, and going through and rereading it because this is one of the first series I've ever read. Uh, going through and rereading it, it's just astounding yeah and i feel like this too is kind of like why we do like these like episodes in particular it gives the excuse we need to go back and reread series that we love and take a break from reading new stuff constantly not that not that we don't love doing that but it's great to like appreciate something that like to us is art in a medium that we love not just art but these classic series are, are things that are in our minds absolute perfection to the most uh insane degree yeah. to me like yeah should be taught in all grade levels of english from kindergarten all the way <laughs> to doctoral i don't think that alex or i on any of these classic um books that we're going to cover would rate any of them below like a, a solid 9.0 they are classic literature in a in a very real uh way and that's not something that you can see every day and Pick these books up, I think. Yeah, and I'll say this Maybe. too to anyone that is still listening that <laughs> hasn't read these books yet. But if you're a fan of Hunter S. Thompson, even, even if you've only seen Finley in Las Vegas, you will love these books. Yep. Uh, it is 100% along the lines of of that same, even the film, like that same absurdity. And speaking of absurdity, what is, we've touched a little bit like on the world, but not like how, and Matt talked about Derek Robinson created this vibrant world. But what is your favorite, like, madcap, like, insane thing that, like, you see in this world? Like, we talked about the transients, uh, talked about, like, the cryo freezing, but, well, like, even just, like, a one-off. Like, what is the thing that really, you're like, okay, this is messed up? Uh, I absolutely love, and I loved it the first time I read it, his, um, his two-headed cat that smokes cigarettes, that chain-smokes cigarettes. Yes, and has a preferred brand. Yes. Uh, the other favorite thing is... I don't know why they've mentioned it, but they've mentioned it a couple times. Um, the appliances do drugs. Yes. I and the appliances are, it's also a mafia based appliance. So you can't get rid of it because spider will go with the horse's head in his bed. We're <laughs> trying to get rid of it. It's just off the wall, irreverency mixed with extreme poignancy and utter brilliant. I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't read it yet, but my favorite like off the wall moment is spider son. Uh, who's in the <laughs> office of his editor? Uh, I all about that. His son, I'll say this, has no head. <laughs> it's just a neck. Uh, it's a little boy. Uh, that is by far my favorite, like, off the wall moment. Well, the greatest part was it turned out to be a uh, bomb sent by the French. The French, yes, because it, who? Because it's been following him for for years. And yeah, years. and he the his quote unquote son planted himself at the uh, the editor's office and wouldn't stop talking to him. And he was like, I don't know what to tell you, Spider. Uh, it seemed conceivable with all the women that you hook up with and the diseases that you likely have that you could have a child with no head. And I don't want to take away from like Warren Ellis' <laughs> originality, but like if you're a fan of Garth Ennis' work too, there's a lot of like Garth Ennis like S stuff, not just from, from like the headless uh, boy, but also like the police dog with his own storyline. Like that felt very like Garth Ennis S to me it at did the same time. Garth Ennis S. Uh, which had a fantastic. I don't want, I want to spoil the ending for what happened with the police dog, but the police dogs. Uh, final issue, final moment is fantastic as well, too. Uh, it's one of the best moments in the entire series, I feel like. I think we've come to a, a point in our podcast where we need to talk about something real. 
um, and something that is near and dear to, I think, just about everybody. But it's what will the future hold? Um, so in your mind, Alex, what does the future look like? Well, I hope it holds what it has in this book. And I want Air Jesuses. Uh, where I can just walk on water, <laughs> walk on walls, walk on any surface. Actually, actually, yes. What is the one thing from this book that like you wish was real? Oh man, that's an excellent question. Aside from like the thing that like people just live to a hundred years without even trying, like the lifespan's been extended. Those fucking glasses that he has. I know you can actually buy them, but what they have the capability to do would yeah. be fucking incredible. There's stuff too, like people like theorize more about now especially as the internet has grown but like you can like uh get rid of your body and upload your consciousness into a cloud essentially yeah uh, which is definitely way ahead of its time you could never die uh, technically yeah. sort of kind of and examining like what it means to be human like if you lose a leg but have it put but have a prosthetic leg are you still human and how many limbs does it take to be a human it's like that as well too the answer but, is four if you're not, if you don't <laughs> alex told me after, before the podcast started i don't believe this but alex told me if you don't have four i crunch the numbers limbs you're not human i use several discrete and continuous variables to come up with this <laughs> and math doesn't lie math has no bias i think as long as you have a brain and it works you're a human that poor scarecrow fuck that guy um do you want to know what i think the future will hold yeah um more uh oakley uh gas can sunglasses let me just say those are the only ones that will help you in a dystopian society oakley is not a sponsor yet (laughs) we're hoping one day very soon we will be uh rich with oakley gas can sunglasses uh, but what I think the or Ray Ban, we don't discriminate. Nope, only Oakley. Okay, and only gas cans. Unless Oakley turns us down, Ray Ban, you get to us first. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, shh, quiet, Alex. We don't or Warby Parker, you know. <laughs> uh, I think the future is going to look like a cross between uh, the films Wild Wild West and Hoosiers, uh, just a basketball laden desert wasteland with giant mechanical spiders. Yep, and Gene Hackman and yelling. Cisco. Yep. <laughs> Any future Cisco is in, I want to be a part of. Yeah. I if there are any other songs that exist besides the Thong song, I'm not interested. Uh it's my most played song. Every year I get my most played songs on Spotify and it's been the Thong song and only the Thong song for twenty three <laughs> straight years yeah. running. Alex's number one artist played is Cisco and the number one song is the Thong song. That was the song I walked down the aisle to at my wedding. I was at his wedding. Our first dance, my dance with my mom. Like it was just <laughs> the Thong song all the way through. I need to I'm not engaged or anything, but if I ever was. <laughs> but this is pushing you. You're like, maybe now. Yeah. I yeah. think I know what could yeah. convince her, you know? This is the ticket right here. Okay. Uh which assistant do you like better? Oh Shan. Oh well, actually I take that back. Uh what's what's her name? Elena. Elena. Uh I think she is like a uh twenty two year old Daria who has just graduated from school with honors and is just like, this is the weird ass assignment I get. But it's like the year 3022. That's interesting. I was thinking more like female Robert Smith of the Cure. Uh, like that. Yeah, that, that that's how I pictured her. But yeah, uh, I like Shannon better. Like, uh, you do? Yeah. Uh, I like the vibe of the six sad world of uh, the other one. But I do like, I mean, how Spider plays off both of them differently. 
I do, and thank God at the end of book three, they are all together. Yeah. Go team venture. <laughs> Next time on History of Comics, we'll be talking about the Venture Brothers. But, like, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I really don't want to give this, like, a ranking out scale of 1 to 10, because obviously we love the series, and we think everyone should read them. It's a high uh, ranking, okay? Uh, I think Y is a better intro for, like, people that don't read a lot of comics, but... Transmet is a better choice. People that, like love Hunter S. Thompson uh, and love journalism, just yeah. love sci-fi. So that's a little bit out there and original. Or uh, any Democrat. Yes. Yeah, or like or Republican, because they'll see themselves in the beast. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. the main villains of this story is the relationship. Uh, he's not a villain. <laughs> he just gives really passionate speeches, and he very much believes in what he says. Uh God, that guy loves violence and the strong and women in bikinis. And who so, can argue? Cisco. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is Cisco going to be the president? Uh, well, we can only help. Cisco 2020. He's been in my riding ballot for every election. Uh, oh, my God. I, I think that we need to get Cisco on board with running for president. He's got a lot of good ideas. And all of you that are young and don't know what the thong song is, just goog it. Just learn about Cisco, shit. learn about the cash money millionaires, yep. know your history. Yep. Or you're doomed to repeat it, which yeah. would be great in this case, so don't know it. Yep. If it's not the Baja men or Cisco, get out of town. Uh, I agree. But <laughs> next week, we're not going to let the dogs out, but we're going to talk about the TV show Cannon Busters on Netflix. What up? It is our first anime to cover on, on this yeah, show. Yeah, it's a book that was on Devil's Do and Oni Press, and I think... Oni had Scott Pilgrim on there. Uh, so I think we've talked about Scott Pilgrim before. I believe before. that is correct. And we've um, covered a couple Oni press books before, I believe. Yeah, so uh, we're expanding real else. But if the show's already on Netflix, so if you want to catch up and watch it with us, uh, know all about what we're talking about next week, feel free. Well, uh, don't. You don't yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to. As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on the Facebooks. Uh, we will tag you in weird posts on Instagram so we can win uh, concert tickets. You know, who gives a shit? That's just what I'm going to see Imagine Dragons one day. Yeah. <laughs> one day we'll make it to Imagine Dragons or Chainsmokers with any Thank luck. God. Yeah. I mean, they play Chesapeake and uh, there's 40,000 available, but I just, uh, not my price range. You swing the $15 to go to the arena to watch no, the Chainsmokers. No, I could not. Uh, <laughs> all my tween friends were embarrassed that I, I wanted to go with them and their moms would not let me join on the carpool. <laughs> But that's going to for this week's History of Comics. I'm Alex Ashback. And I'm the Smiler. Hinch it ain't easy.